Amen. We turn to Scripture together. We are back in the book of James this morning. James chapter 1, page 1213, 1213 in your pew Bibles. James chapter 1. I'm going to read from verse 19. James 1 verse 19. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves, and their religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless as this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress, and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Amen. As Father draws close to yourself by your Spirit through the life, death, and resurrection of your Son, our Lord and Savior. We thank you for all that Jesus was willing to do, to endure, to suffer, that we might enjoy the blessing of fellowship with you, Father. So help us to come filled with gratitude. Help us to come in humility. Help us to come with a sense of expectation and anticipation. Help us to come ready to receive and enable us by the power of your Spirit to be not just hearers of the Word, but doers also. We ask these things in, through, and for the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Well, it's been a while since we found ourselves in the book of James. We took a couple of weeks to reflect together on the importance of the ascension of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, but you may remember that the last time we were in the book of James, we were thinking about the humility, or the importance, I should say, of humility in our listening. Uh, 
the Lord Jesus Christ, as we've just been singing together, chose the path of humility and love. And we, if we are to be His followers, must choose that same path. If we do, we will be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. There is good advice for all of our relationships. To be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. We are called in Christ to love one another. We are called in Christ to love our neighbor. We are called in Christ even to love our enemies. If we are to love, then we must be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Good advice for our relationships with other people. Good, we might say, horizontal advice. But we remembered as we looked to this passage in James that the context is not actually our relationships with one another. It's our relationship with the Word of God and with God through His Word. How do we approach the Word of God? Do we approach it with humility? Do we come to the Word of God quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger? Is our approach to Scripture casual and careless, or is it careful and conscious of the power of Scripture to affect change in our lives? We ought to come eager to hear, willing to be silent and to be still, and wanting not to challenge what God has said, but to allow what God has said to challenge and to change us. If we do this, if we approach the Word of God in this way, then this will produce in us the righteous life that God desires. So, we think again about the nature of this Word and our proper response to it this morning, because James has one more step that he wants to take, one more thing that he wants to say about the Word of God, about its nature, and about our response to it. According to James, how we listen will be displayed in how we live. So, we remember the children's talk. You know, I could sing a song about the, how wonderful this chair is. I could uh, write a statement of faith about how much weight I believe this chair could carry. I can sing songs of praise. I can put leaflets through the doors of Airdrie saying, come and see the beauty of this great chair. But if I never actually sit on the chair myself, then after a while people will begin to question if I really believe that the chair is as good as I say it is. We can say that we believe in Jesus, that we trust Jesus, that we love Jesus, that we live for Jesus. But if we never actually do what He says, 
then there will be great cause to question all of these claims. Jesus himself said, whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. What a promise that is. So, James asks us today, what does the life that you and I live have to say about the way that we approach the Word of God and the God of the Word? And he presents to us a picture of a man who looks at himself in the mirror and then walks away and immediately forgets what he has seen, immediately forgets what he looks like. And appropriately enough, I will confess that I misread this passage at first. I'll tell you what I assumed that this illustration was all about, and then we'll look together at what the text actually says. So I assumed when I read about this man in the mirror, as it were, that James was talking about someone who's busy to get on with his daily activities, to get out of the house, to get into his work. So he's a quick shower, a a coffee, a toast with some jam. He has a glance at the mirror, races out the house, into the car, onto the M8, and away to his work. But because he has just glanced at the mirror, he hasn't noticed that there's a big dod of jam on his face. I think dod is the appropriate word when you're quantifying jam. A big dod of jam on his face. And so we ask ourselves the question, well, what did that moment in front of the mirror achieve for this man? It achieved nothing because it was such a casual, careless glance. Actually, it didn't achieve nothing. It achieved less than nothing because it did do something. It caused the man to have a false sense of security. He thinks to himself as he drives to work, well, I'm okay. I looked in the mirror, I'm fine. So he has deceived himself by this careless, casual, quick glance in the mirror. And we can do that with Scripture, can't we? We can bring our assumptions, we can take a careless and cursory glance at Scripture and feel that we have done our bit, all must be well, when actually we are far from fine. We can deceive ourselves in this way, never allowing Scripture to put down roots, and so the seed of the Word, which has all of this life-giving potential within it, can never penetrate the surface of our hearts, and so can never bring forth life and health and fruit. And maybe there is actually a hint at that in the passage that we read together. It speaks of uh, looking intently, doesn't it? Looking intently into the world. Do not merely listen to the Word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the Word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in the mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks 
intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it. They will be blessed in what they do. So maybe there is a hint at that, but it's not really the focus of the passage. Do not merely listen to the words and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. So he does listen to the word. The problem doesn't really lie with his listening. It's the living. It's the disconnect between hearing and doing, between the place, we might say, of safety and the place of service. There's a song by a band called Casting Crowns that speaks of the, the distance between the altar and the door, and how so much can change. We're in this place surrounded by like-minded people singing these songs of faith, listening to the Word of God. It's easy to make these great declarations. We feel so good about it all, and then we walk down the steps into the streets of Airdrie, and we are so quick to forget, so quick to allow what we have heard to just dissipate, to, to, to slip through our fingers like sand. All of us have fallen into this trap. How often we hear a sermon, we read a passage, and it seems real, and it seems alive, and it seems vibrant and living, these great and glorious truths. And then we turn, we step into the everyday reality, the mundane, normal reality of life, with all of its silly, wee distractions, with all of its little disappointments, and it's all forgotten in the blink of an eye. We must not deceive ourselves in thinking that hearing is enough. Charles Ellicott says, Thus it often is with the mirror of the soul. In some striking sermon or book, a person's self is made manifest to him, but the impression fades from his mind as quickly as the echoes of the preacher's words. At best, the knowledge was only superficial, perhaps momentary, widely different from that which comes of a holy walk with God. We need to hear, and it's good if you turn up for church on a Sunday, it's so important. If you turn up for the prayer meeting on Wednesday or Tuesday service, wonderful. It's important. It matters. It's good. If you open your Bibles every morning, it's a wonderful thing. It's important. It matters that we hear the Word of God. But it's not sufficient in and of itself that hearing ought to lead to living. It's amazing as you read uh, James how often you find yourself thinking, that reminds me of something that Jesus said. So, if you read uh, the first chapter of James and then read the Beatitudes in Matthew chapter 5, 
There are so many points of connection. The importance of enduring through trials, through suffering. The importance of choosing the path of humility. It's all there. But as I read this passage in preparation for this message, my mind turned not to Matthew chapter 5, but to Matthew chapter 7. The passage that is so familiar, the passage that we read with the boys and girls, as the Lord Jesus Christ says, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had foundations on the rock. So it's not just being a Christian. And it's not just hearing the words. It's putting that word, or putting these words into practice. But everyone, says Jesus, who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. So the difference between the houses is not what the builders do, it's not what they hear. One builds on the rock of obedience, and the other on the sand defiance. That is the difference. And you might say, well, why should I obey Jesus? Why should I put His voice above my own voice? How can He know better than I know what is good for my own life? I think it's unlikely that any of us would actually say that out loud. But how often is there a wee voice in there somewhere that says, I know best what to do when it comes to my own life? And that's the message of the world that we live in. Of course it is. Look out, because here I come, and I'm marching on to the beat I drum. I'm not scared to be seen. I make no apologies. This is me. I've not seen the film yet, but uh, that's the message. That's the message not just of that film, that's the message of the, that's the air that we breathe. <coughs> Believe in yourself, love yourself. And it seems like a very positive message. In many ways, it is a very positive message, but we have to remember that the heart is not always to be trusted. Jeremiah says, the heart is deceitful above all things. James says, I think three times, you can correct me as you read it uh, later, I think three times in chapter one, James speaks of us deceiving ourselves. We must be careful. We must be careful. And we must be willing to believe Jesus more than we believe ourselves. Our Lord will not deceive us. He will not lie to us. Even if we would like Him to, perhaps at times, He will tell us the truth. And so we can trust Him even more than we trust ourselves. 
And maybe part of the solution to this problem is hearing and seeing the heart that lies behind the exhortations. Striking how often James says, my brothers, or depending on your, your translation, my brothers and sisters, or my dear brothers and sisters, or my beloved brothers and sisters. Verse 2, verse 16, verse 19. Time and time again, he assures the people to whom he writes that this letter comes from a heart of love. He desires the very best for the people to whom he writes. Dear brothers and sisters, beloved brothers and sisters, please remember this teaching is not to make your life harder. It is to make your life better. It comes from someone who wants the very best for you. James wants the best for his brothers and sisters. And the Spirit of God that breathed out this book, that breathed out these words, wants the best for the children of God and the Lord Jesus Christ, the good and faithful shepherd, wants to lead his flock to places of rest and refreshing to paths of righteousness for His name's sake. I have told you this, says Jesus, that my joy might be in you and that your joy might be complete. I have come, He says, that you may have life and have it to the full. Here is true freedom and fullness of life, and lasting joy. It is all found in hearing and doing, living, we might say, the Word of God. And I want to close just by pointing from this passage to the nature of this Word. So firstly, the Word of God is perfect. We're in verse 25. Whoever looks intently into the perfect law. You may have other people who love you, who desire the best for you, who give you all sorts of advice from a, a well-meaning heart and mind, but that advice will not be perfect. This word, this law is perfect. The Word of God, secondly, is liberating. Whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom. We don't usually associate the law with freedom, freedom, do we? But the law of God brings true freedom to those who hear it and embrace it and obey it. It frees us from darkness and the things of darkness. It frees us from death and the things of death. It frees us to know the light and the life and the peace and the joy of Jesus. It is that law that gives true freedom. The Word of God is perfect. The Word of God is liberating. And the Word of God is the seed that leads to a blessed life. 
Whoever looks intently, verse 25, again into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. My dear brothers and sisters, humbly accept the word of life which can save you. Listen and live well for the glory of God and the joy of Jesus in your life. Amen. Let's stand.